even in the in the depths of despair, right? Puerto Rico is on fire. Mexico has been partially destroyed by an earthquake. Even in that moment, Florida can still lose a recruit. And we can all agree that there's something to be happy for in that. Just watching the slow motion car wreck that is their program just brings me great joy. And it should bring you joy as well. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to break down what looks to be another horrible, horrible game in that erector state of the stadium, Neyland Stadium. Stadium. (laughs) I was going to say field, but calling that horrible, like, snodgrass, crabapple, six-foot-thick peat grass or a field it really does a disservice to what it is it is it is a monstrosity to lawn care specialists everywhere it is an insult to every turf management degree <laughs> ever created it is the breaker of knees it is the mother of acl tears so it is neeland stadium other than your obvious love of the dogs will you give the listeners at home a reason and kind of a backstory for why you hate knoxville and neeland stadium and bush jones so much nathan okay sure um Okay, I want to preface this by saying that outside of college football, I do not actually hate Knoxville. But so um, after I graduated from grad school at UGA, my wife, my beautiful wife, Samantha, um, decided to enroll at doctoral school at the University of Tennessee, which is was the right decision for us at the time. So I moved to Knoxville for two years. And while I was there, I worked at a very, very, very good high school called Carter High School. Um, go Hornets. And <laughs> while I was at Carter High School, I would say I wore red on average three times a week Mm -hmm. i would say my low was twice a week um the entire 24 months i was there um (laughs) thank god we won both of those years but that really you know it's like uh the the root of the root of distaste is familiarity familiarity brings uh breeds contempt and so even though i have a lot of very awesome friends who i'm going to see this weekend in knoxville who are rabid vols fans as a program, I have nothing but disdain and distaste for the University of Tennessee Athletics. Right? I mean, let's be real. That stadium, Neyland Stadium, looks like something that the fat kid from the Sandlot made <laughs> to get a ball out of James Earl Jones's freaking backyard. It is. It is like the my children's first stadium. Stadium. It is like, and it is like, it is. It was created by an architect that was blind and had. A real aversion to people with epilepsy. You gotta, you gotta get a field level shot from the outside. It's terrible. It really... It's so bad. So it's yeah, really you guys good... really need to be able to look on the outside. It looks like it's literally always under construction. What it looks like is if a Home Depot had a baby with like a rejected <laughs> fashion design from the mid eighties. <laughs> it's on the runway right now. Yeah. Dear God. Thank Neyland you. Stadium. You blessed, blessed soul, Nathan Lawrence. Uh, anyway, so before we really get into the meat and potatoes of what we do here at Chapel Bell Curve. I like Belker, how you just like softballed me that cold open right I there. sure did. <laughs> I said, this is going to be good. Um, yeah, it was just dad's on the pitching mound and he's going to underhand this yeah, right to his boy. This for his boy who can't, yep. who can't play baseball real well. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of what Chapel Bell Curve is, 
we wanted to mention something we've been working on all this week uh, on Anchor.fm. It's a new podcast site that allows us to make little podcast snippets. And so we are doing what we're calling two-minute drills, which are exactly what they sound like. They're going to be quick snippets of us doing uh, just about anything related to the podcast that wouldn't really fit on these hour-long or however long we end up doing these 40 to an hour hour-long um, episodes. So... It'd be experiential. I know Nathan's going to be up in Knoxville this weekend with the band, so you'll probably hear him a lot uh, Friday, Saturday morning, probably before the game, after the game, all of these things. So you have that to look forward to as well. So give it a listen. Uh, You can find a link on our homepage that'll bring you straight to our episode hub on Yeah, we've also, if you look on our Twitter, our pinned tweet, and you can, we'll have Ian add a link to this. We've also created a separate RSS feed, so if you want to go on the Anchor.fm app, or if you want to go on Twitter, or if you just want to subscribe and get all these updates automatically, um, you can get them any way you want. And like Justin said, they are going to be unedited, they are going to be raw, they are going to be the hottest of hot takes, but they're still going to be backed up with our deep love for all things rational and statistical. Now, I know that that sounds a little bit, um, a little bit hypocritical coming from a man who just spent like... 45 minutes or 45 seconds yelling at an opposing team stadium. Uh, but trust me, we do like rationality around here. <laughs> you got to have a balance. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be a balance. Did you also, was that intentionally using automatically? Yeah. Okay, good. I know really sometimes good, I don't know. There's a really good commercial about like Shazam or something uh-huh. that has Bismarcky in it, who is just like a human being that I love. And he's like, at some point, he's just holding up the phone and it like hears the song and detects the song for him. And he looks at it and he's like, automagically. So I try to. (laughs) We'll link that in the show notes, (laughs) I hope. Um, Yeah, so let's get straight into what makes our podcast our podcast. Let's talk about Tennessee um, in a more rational, stats-based and focused uh, form. So uh, the series of Tennessee and Georgia, Tennessee leads right now 23-21 with two ties uh over the last 116 years 117 years this is one of the teams that we have not played as much as like our old traditional rivals Mm -hmm. like auburn um uh so let's talk about let's get to know tennessee let's get to know our enemy here Hmm. um so pulling up their advanced stats profile I'm just going to hit you with their some ranks and some five factors. So, um, 50th ranked S&P Plus offense, uh, 41st ranked S&P Plus defense. Um, points per game, 40th in offense, and 29th in defense. So, you know, this, again, right off the bat, and I think that this is going to be reinforced once we get into the, the nitty-gritty of this, mm-hmm. this is just in a talented but underperforming team, or... If we, if we took the name off of this, you would say this is one of two things. This is either a team that is super talented in the SEC and is way underperforming, or this is like a Mac school that is really just like killing it. Yeah. And, you know, if we put the name back on, what we can see is that this is a team with four and five stars and some five-star hearts that is just really underperforming, or at least not performing up to a championship level. So let, let's get into the five factors. So mm-hmm. offensively. Uh, 62nd in um, efficiency, 48th in explosiveness, 11th in field position, uh, 81st in finishing drives, defensively 115th in efficiency. We're going to talk about that a lot. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, 4th in explosiveness, 16th in finishing drives, and 95th in, sorry, 16th in field position and 95th in finishing drives. 
Turnover margin, um, they're a little bit unlucky, 0.069 points per game. So not, it's kind of, that's, could be noise. Yeah. Um, it, just looking at the five factors, before we get into like, here, here are the specific ways that Georgia matches up with Tennessee. What do you think about this team, just looking at the five factors and just our broad strokes, advanced stats that we have here? If I'm just looking at the five factors, I, with the Tennessee, uh, moniker attached to these stats i think that wow they're i'm I'm surprised to see these stats based on um just what i've seen just the eye test i'm not very impressed the tennessee team i've seen but looking at these stats it's it's pretty pretty impressive actually um and then you could break it down even further and understand that they've played four teams that are also not playing to their greatest performance either um but we have specifically defense fourth explosiveness. So they're making some really great explosive plays on defense, but they're not a very efficient team on defense either, right. uh, which would end up uh, explosiveness. I guess they're probably making explosive plays probably in the third and fourth down rather than the standard right. downs. I mean, and their lack of efficiency just means that they're giving up downs. They let they, they let teams stay ahead of schedule. Yeah. So it's easy to get four or five yards against yeah. them. Um but, you know, if let's look at their, to sort of inform those numbers, though, let's look at their defensive percentile ranks, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got 93% against Indiana State. Yeah. Lots of explosive good plays. You've got 78% against Massachusetts. Also lots of explosive plays. Let's dig a little bit deeper into um, what Tennessee's defense and what their havoc rate is, because I, I think that you can make a case that it's kind of influenced by um, their performance against two pretty bad teams. So their defensive percentile rating against... Um, Indiana State was 93%, and their defensive percentile rating against Massachusetts was 78%. Okay, so yeah. let's let's look at those advanced stat scores. So against Massachusetts, or yeah, so against Massachusetts last week, Tennessee had, let's see, three and a half, six, seven tackles for loss. They had uh, four sacks. They had one, two, three, four, five passes defensed, zero forced fumbles, and... Let's see. It looks like ten players, nine players with a havoc rate of at least one. Yeah. They, so yeah, those are all havoc plays too. Yeah, they so. got a lot of havoc plays out of that one game. And then if you look at the Indiana Indiana State game, you can see that they had. Let's see. They had six tackles for loss. They had a sack. They had two forced fumbles and several more players with havoc rates of one or two or yeah. of one or point five. I guess the the point I'm making is that those stats might be unduly influenced by those easy blowout games now definitely though. as we've said before every team has blowout games every team needs to do them they should get credit for that yeah however let's look at the old georgia state or the georgia tech box score let's against at, a team that actually has equal and or better right. talent so let's look at their georgia tech their, their their box score against georgia tech uh one tackle for loss no sacks three passes defensed no forced fumbles mm-hmm you had in that game three players with a havoc rate of one. What I would say yeah. is that their high havoc rating might be a little <clears> bit influenced. And if you want to take it even farther, let's look at their game against Florida, a game that they lost. So against Florida, they had one against Florida's admittedly very bad defense. Yes. They had two and a half tackles for loss, half of a sack. Well, they must have had one full sack. Six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so nine passes defensed, and you had one, two, three, four, eight players with a havoc rate of at least one. So what that tells me. So okay, 
this actually makes perfect sense now. It does. They've yeah. had two cupcake games in which mm-hmm. they really inflated their havoc stats, and then they played uh, the bomb, the cure for any common defensive backfield, Luke <laughs> Del Rio and Felipe Franks. You know, and so I'm not. We can kind of transition into how they match up against Georgia, against yeah. Georgia right now. I don't know how really scared about them in explosive plays that I am. I'm not really afraid of this defense, especially. Or not this defense, excuse me, this offensive line and the offense that is sitting behind it. Uh, you read it out plain as day against a Massachusetts and Indiana State game. These are teams that have no business beating uh, an SEC, SEC team that should be. Or uh, hanging around. Or hanging around, yeah. Team. But the fact that it is double-digit havoc plays for both the Massachusetts and the Indiana State defense... It's, it's pretty it's telling, yeah. yeah. Which these are smaller, smaller players, typically less talent, and the fact that they can hang around and push your offensive line around, and get past it, and tackle your playmakers, it's it's dangerous. It's real bad for a team that should definitely be better than that. Should, that is recruiting the talent that mm-hmm. should be playing better, and it it comes down to what we talk about. I feel like Butch Jones comes up a lot on our podcast, but I, I definitely think Butch Jones has a lot to say about this, and that coaching staff just isn't performing. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at sort of what I think is really striking is that their their LB havoc rate is 105th in their nation in the nation. Mm-hmm. Their um, DL havoc rate is 50th in the nation. Their defensive back havoc rate is 79th in the nation. Mm-hmm. The overall havoc rate is 42nd in the nation. So even though this might this this is a flukily explosive defense. Right, and mm-hmm. this is a defense that has taken the, and you have to give them credit for taking the opportunities that they've gotten. But the fact that their efficiency numbers, I, this is the first point I want to make about this match, matchup. They are not an efficient offense, which means no. you can get three or four downs, or you get three or four yards against them on standard downs. Now, what does Georgia's offense need to improve on the most offensively, or in, in terms of standard downs? Oh, Six, absolutely, rushing success, yeah, running the game, yeah, yeah. If we can run against them on early downs, and mm-hmm. I think we can, we are going to win this game. Oh, 100%. And I think that our defense is going to have a field day with this offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be so silly because, looping back around again, I got to talk about have a great every single time, apparently. But the fact that these smaller teams, an FCS team, can do this to this offensive line, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be everything we wanted and more after last year's uh, game that should not be discussed or named which okay, we, yeah. we'll talk about it but so let, let, let's pause for a second here and yeah. I, I just want to make this point so currently tennessee is ranked um 40th in s&p plus mm-hmm. so georgia has three wins over ranked s&p plus opponents um app state is ranked 44th right now overall notre dame is uh, this is all s&p plus not just offensive yes notre dame is 19th and mississippi state is 24th so if we bar- burrow into their stats a little bit currently App State has the 59th ranked offense, so that's worse than Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame has 23rd ranked offense, better than uh, better than Tennessee. And Mississippi State, the team that we just systematically took apart piece by piece, has the 37th ranked offense. So there, you know, we can go ahead and get into this, like, what happened last year and what it's like to be a Georgia fan and, you know, the, the heap of broken images that is the Georgia sports fan psyche. Um, and I'm, and I'm very happy to talk about that from a modernist perspective and just how we, we truly are the lost generation that, you know, 28 to three was our world war one. I'm very happy about, I'm very happy to talk about all that, but as scarred as UGA fans might be, I do think it's important to, important to point out that like the numbers tell us that we should win this game. Yes. The numbers tell us that we should win this game comfortably. 
subjectively. Yeah, what does history tell us? History tells us that we're going to go into Neyland Stadium and have three people blow their ACLs. Yeah. Now, for a team that had two good running backs, that is a scary pr- uh, proposition. Mm-hmm. For a team that has five good running backs against a team that is incredibly inefficient on defense, that's something that scares me a little bit less. Mm-hmm. So I guess if we're going to get into just sort of predictions or, well, what's the game we play? Georgia will win this game if blank. Yeah. First so one. So you, you already mentioned the running game. We need to in, increase our standard downs rate. But this is a team that that's the only thing they do well. Their defensive foot, footprint has them ranked second on standard downs run rate, mm-hmm. which is basically just saying like they're keeping teams honest on those first few downs every drive. And so they're forcing them to throw. But their passing downs run rate is also 12. So they're doing really well early early drives, but then they kind of tire out or they fail to uh, big plays or get beat on those big passes and that sort of thing. So I think, and by the time this is actually aired, we might have Jacob Eason. I don't, I don't know. I'm skeptical of that, but we might. You're right. There's a chance, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. If so we have Jake Fromm. So you're saying there's a chance. Jacob Eason will travel with the team, that's for sure. Yeah. And so it may be a game time decision. Who knows what's going to happen? I have no idea. But... Yeah, Georgia wins if we, I want to say, just run the ball down these guys' throats. Um, yeah, let me let me give you a specific stat. Yeah, right? I, I want to. I'm, I'm looking through right so, now too. Individual rushing stats. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it, our our current opportunity rate is 38.5, which is how many? How, what percent of the time do we get over five percent or yeah. over five yards? Our um, our current rushing success rate is 40. If we just hit those marks. I think we'll probably win. And the reason is that our current rushing ISO PPP is 20th in the nation. So what I'm imagining is if our yards per carry is somewhere around, I don't know, four or five, but that is it, that is blown up in the same way that we talked about in our Mississippi State review mm-hmm. by like 15, 30-yard gains, I think we'll win. Now, my second thing is, my second sort of um, UGA will win if stat is, I think that UGA will win if we just play the same kind of defense we played against Mississippi State. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This we... is this is a this is a team with fewer offensive weapons. They have two very good offensive weapons. Marquez Callaway is a young wide receiver who is just a burner against in Georgia uh, against Georgia, Georgia Tech. He just basically only scored touchdowns every time he touched the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, John Kelly is a very good running back. They might have better individual talent than Mississippi State, but I don't believe that they are better offense. Um, they're, they're Jaron Guarantano and Quentin Normandy have been at best average. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that if we establish the run game and we play not even explosive defense, I think if we just play efficient defense yeah. and we just make them pass, we're in good shape. They have, their quarterbacks have been very uneven this year. If you look at just their basic, um, quarterback stat lines, Quentin mm-hmm. Normandy and Jaron Guarantano just both got pulled during the Massachusetts game. Like one of them got pulled and the other one got pulled. So if you look at their their stats for the uh, for the year, Quentin Dormany is seventy one or one hundred twenty one attempts, seventy one completions, eight hundred sixty yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, completion rate of fifty point eight seven, two sacks taken, average at best. Yeah, right. Four touchdowns to six interceptions, in, especially. And also, I think he's got a couple of fumbles in there. Jaron Gordantano, six or uh, seventeen attempts, six completions, thirty eight yards. One touchdown, no interceptions, 35.3 yards, and two really bad fumbles in the Massachusetts game. This is real bad, yeah. Yeah, Jared Garantano was two for five, negative three yards. Yeah. So I think if we... So my first two keys would be play disciplined defense, Mm -hmm. 
have a, a good rushing success rate. And then my third key would be limit John Kelly's average yards per carry. All right. So currently, John Kelly's um, is a lot of their defense, mm-hmm. or a lot of their offense, rather. His current rushing stats are 81 he, he, rushes, yeah. 450 yards, six touchdown, 5.6 yards per carry. His yards, his opportunity rate per yard is 6.9, which is very good. His opportunity rate period is 37. So 37% of the time he gets over five um, over five yards. If you compare that to even, say, someone like Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Chubb's line currently 59 rushes, 371 yards, six touchdowns, 6.3 yards per carry. Uh, hit yards per opportunity is seven, and uh, opportunity rate is 42.4. My point being that John Kelly is not that much worse statistically than Nick Chubb this year. No, not at all. They don't have a lot behind him. They don't have a lot outside of him. That's pretty much it. They just have John Kelly. But but he is someone who can make your day bad if Butch Jones calls the right kind of game. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think we can count on Butch Jones calling a horrible game just because that's not the way you should plan for things. Mm-hmm. I think it is possible that Butch Jones plays a horrible game um, or calls a horrible game. I definitely think that this needs to be a no-frills game on our on the defensive side of the ball for yeah. us. I think that we just need to play. Like, I don't even need to see that many tackles for loss. I don't need to see that many sacks. I don't need to see that many blitzes. Because I don't think the QB running through the line or making any big plays is going to be what wins this game for us. It's going to just be keeping the keeping John Kelly at less than four or five yards per play easily. Like, ideally closer to three. Limiting first downs and just playing really textbook, easy technical football. The Mississippi, State, the Mississippi State game for me was really exciting. There were a lot of big uh, tackles out in uh, open space and everything, and I don't expect to see that as much from this team necessarily. I don't see them getting away often. I, I just see us knowing exactly what they're going to do before they do it and stopping them before they, they make any big plays. Just same Georgia defense football that we've seen for the last four games, and it's going to uh-huh. be, if we play the exact same way, like you said, we we played uh, in the Mississippi State game, which... Each game has been increasingly better for us, um, even in the defensive percentile. We're, we're going to be just fine. So let, let, let's, I think we both feel, I think both of us obviously, pretty obviously feel pretty bullish about this game. Yeah. So let's talk about, like, what what could go wrong here? Mm-hmm. What are some things Georgia loses this game if these things happen? Definitely, um, they're two offensive weapons. They're two big offensive weapons. If they have good days, we're, we're done for. Um, if we... If we come into this game, I think you talked about this a little bit either on or off the air earlier in the episode. This is one of those these games that we look forward to because it's one of those games that if anything could go wrong, it will go wrong. Okay. Um, this and also Florida. It's always that same way. It's like these two teams, they exploit all of our weaknesses, it seems, mentally. Last year, I know for sure, some of the big things that happened to us were penalties. We, I want to say we had... Um, there's one that stands out in particular, and it's near the end of the game. Um, it was at Sanford, and um, threw the ball, made a great play. Uh, defensively, there were like 20 seconds left in the game, and then we got called on a, um, there was a personal foul for unsportsmanlike conduct, which oh. drove them up, you know, and then they got the Hail Mary, Tindall Hail Marys. Yeah, so they, the they got they got extra yards on the kickoff after our Hail Mary. Yeah, and uh, which so, is what allowed their hand layer to happen. Exactly. So if we go into this game with big heads like uh, Georgia has done in the past, so it's by this point in the, the season where we start getting real uh, real big britches, and, or well, small, too big for our britches, I guess. Britches are still small. This is the game in the season, like this point in the season is where we come in with 
big old, big old heads. And so if we start this game with big egos and big heads, like uh, Georgia of old, then I think that's how we lose this game. That's going to be the biggest thing that happens. That You can't quantify that, of course, but it's something that's going to happen through the eye test. You're going to watch this team. You're going to see how they're playing. Whether or not they're playing textbook football um, is going to be up to them. But I think Kirby's smart. I'd like to think. I haven't seen that at all this season. I think we've kept the penalties fairly to a minimum. Um, and Kirby Smart kind of has a lockdown on this team for well, the most I, part. I think you're absolutely right because I think building on that, another thing that another worst case scenario. So we, we've always got to talk about injuries yes. and the horrible Nick Chubb injury. Yeah, like it, it's like it's it, it's almost as if they they were like you know the only way I really will like this stadium is if this if the if the grass is soft enough for me to sleep with my dog on it and. <laughs> then that's what they made instead of like a real playing service. But anyway, obviously injuries are, are a big issue, but I think the two things are a tying into what you were saying with penalties, just special teams miscues. Yeah. We had a lot of bad special teams play. We had a, that was not a great kickoff from Rodrigo on that last, um, the last kickoff of the game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily that is something that we have gotten very good at. Mm-hmm. We are the number one overall, somehow the number one overall ranked special teams unit in the nation. And yeah. I'm not really a hundred percent sure why that is, but here we are. We're doing all right. Um, and so if we can avoid special teams miscues, like you said, penalties. But then I also just think, can we get Jake Fromm to just limit turnovers? If Jake Fromm is totally inefficient, if we can't get anything done through the air, and if Jake Fromm is like 5 for 10 with 80 yards and no touchdowns, as long as he doesn't have any turnovers, we still got a shot. Yeah. If he turns the ball over a couple of times, then we're in trouble. Okay, we have some breaking news here, and I just want to interrupt the, the podcast real quick to just say this. And because, you know, uh, we live in a world where it's, it's easy to feel divided and it's easy to feel sad. And you're, you're, in a, you're in a world where you don't have any real connections, real deep, authentic connections to each other. Um, but I just want to give you a real glimmer of hope right now, which is that Florida's highest rated commit for the 2017 <laughs> uh, class, Matt Corral, just deleted the part of his Twitter profile that says Florida commit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just want you to think about how, like, even in the in the depths of despair, right? Puerto Rico is on fire. Mexico has been partially destroyed by an earthquake. Even in that moment, Florida can still lose a recruit. And we can all agree that there's something to be happy for in that. Just watching the slow motion car wreck that is their program just brings me great joy. And it should bring you joy as well. And yes, do I admit that they are going to beat us in Gainesville? We are going to step in front of that car wreck and get killed. That's fine. But God, can't we just enjoy this? Also... <laughs> Mark Schleybaugh and I think one other guy just reported that nine of the ten or the nine uh, Florida players that have been suspended could be facing federal felony charges Jeez. Uh, for illegally for stealing debit cards or credit cards and using them to pay into their student accounts to buy uh, like phones and like uh, Beats by Dre headphones uh, <laughs> cool stuff. and laptops from Florida's bookstore. So God huh. bless hashtag Florida man who is apparently all of the Florida players the starting nine of the florida football team the starting uh the starting felony nine of the florida football team anyways let's continue with our tennessee that you just dropped some heavy knowledge on us there um and hashtag nathan's hate for florida grows ever deeper oh my god dude it i said this on twitter and i always say i said this on twitter but i just want to like make sure that people don't think i i know i'm repeating myself um I said this on Twitter, but like I'm already brewing the hate speech that I'm going to have that I'm just going to like declaim and just like spew into the microphone as soon as we start the Florida preview. And it is. And look, and and I'm just going to call my shot here. Um, I think that 
you know, people who say that cursing is sort of a lack of imagination are wrong. Uh, and the way I want to prove that is I'm going to give you a rant about Florida that is entirely devoid of curse words, but that is worse than if I just said the F word for like 45 seconds. <laughs> it is going to be biblical. Do you want I'm to, excited. I, I mean that in like the sense that like the rivers will run red, Cthulhu and his great mountain will stir, the mouths of madness will open up. Ugh, I'm so ready. All right. Anyway, I'm so excited for if we actually win the Florida game. I don't know what you're going to do. You might have to take like a vacation. You might have to. If we win the Florida game, it's going to be a moot point because I'll be dead. <laughs> it won't matter. I'll. Uh, you know what? Well, see, I'll be I'll be dead to you guys. But if we win the You'll Florida game, I will have ascended into a higher state of being. And so you will record a very sad podcast alone, and then you'll open up the Audacity file and see that there's a second track on there of me just talking to you from my energy state. <laughs> there in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> There was only one audio track. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when I looked back through my podcast, there were two voices, but and, only one track. And I said, <laughs> I said, Justin, where were you when I needed you most? When the Florida game bloomed and you said, I didn't leave you, child. I carried you. I produced your audio. We could just basically cold open this whole podcast. Oh, this entire episode has been one big cold open. Jeez. Thank you, Tennessee. And All also, right, so thank you, Florida. Predictions. Let's get some predictions then and then get out I actually need to give a... I, I need to think about my prediction before I actually give it. Okay. I want to give an educated, non-conspiracy-filled, or driven prediction. So. Okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, I can go first. Okay, um, go. I think that, one, if we stop John Kelly, stop his run game, we're going to be all right. Two, if we stop the passing game, no matter what quarterback has uh, they've thrown him in kind of nonchalantly... We're going to be okay. I still think they'll get one or two touchdowns. Um, I think they'll most likely get one and then maybe a couple field goals. Um, and that's totally fine just because they, they've been more efficient on the... I think that we can expect a score or two from this team. That's totally fine. But I think that we're going to completely demolish their uh, their defensive line. And it's going to be... It's going to be bad. Like, if we thought that... Like, people have called the Mississippi State game a blowout. It was 31-3. They've called that a blowout. I think this is going to put us in the 40s easily. I think this is like a 42-10 game for us. Oh, good God. I I have been not that far off with all these huge margins. And I know the the spread right now is like 7.5. I think that we're a much better team than that. And we've already been proven a few times that the spread has been much too small. Cool. <laughs> Here's what I think. I agree the with you The 42 is more arbitrary, I will say. The 10 I, was more educated. I agree with you in part. So here's I got what jazz I will say. Here's, here's, my, here's my, like, Nathan's hot tip for the day. If you look at Tennessee's leading cat tacklers and you sort all their defensive players just by raw tackle numbers, mm-hmm. which is not always a good indication of how good a player is, but for, let, let's take this for a moment. If you, sort, if you sort them by raw tackle numbers, you have to go down 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 to find a defensive lineman. Yep. So what that means is that they are not getting stops out of their defensive line their mm-hmm. stuff rate is what's their current defensive stuff rate let's find it their current defensive stuff rate is 102nd in the nation so and their offensive stuff rate is 96 in the nation anyway um so i guess what i'm saying i guess what all this leads me to say is i think we will get the run game going yeah i think someone's gonna have a big day i would my favorite timeline we're living in the darkest timeline, but the best timeline would be that Nick Chubb just goes off for like 250 yards and just runs it down their throat, mm. and we get that 42 to 10 score. Yeah. I think we're going to get our points. I think we will score something like, I'm going to say like 28. 
28. I think we'll get four touchdowns. I think maybe we'll do like one passing, three three rushing. I think that we're going to see freshman Jake Fromm. I think that Fromm is going to have one or two turnovers, mm-hmm. and it's going to make the game closer. It's going to make the game closer than it should be. I'm saying that this final score is going to be 28-24. And ultimately, the difference is that they get a couple. I think what they're going to do is they're going to get a couple of short field touchdowns off of turnovers from freshman Jake Fromm, which is fine. And that ultimately the way we're going to win is we're going to we're going to have a good enough defense to force them into kicking field goals. And then what I think is going to happen is that maybe it's like 24-21 going into the third. And then we just possess the ball for like half, you know, like, you know, two thirds of the rest of the game and just run it down their throats 35 times. I just want to go back and say, I know 42-10 sounds big and it sounds crazy. But if Georgia Tech can put 640 yards up on this garbage Tennessee team, then I don't think that's that far-fetched for us. Right. With as explosive as we are compared to this Georgia Tech team. 42-41 I mean, in the beginning of the year. I said 28-24, and that's just really me hedging my like sad bulldog. You're much more cautious than but I if am. I, when it comes I, I'll be honest, though. If I was going to just be like pure like who wins, this is like a six-point game, I would say it's probably more likely that instead of 28-24, it's like 35-14. That's what I'm talking about. But I can't say that officially because as someone who's watched a lot of losses to Tennessee, yeah, I have to yes. hedge my bets. Um, so, yeah, there's the there's the sad dog and Disney dog picks from Nathan. <laughs> sad dog, Disney dog. I like it. Cool. Let's right. send ourselves out. So this has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast. Um, you can also find our Chapel Bell Curve two-minute drills at anchor.fm and or on our Twitter profile and or on our website and or on our itunes rss feed for a chapel bell curve two minute drills you can get in touch with us on facebook by searching chapel bell curve by email at chapelbellcurve.com and on twitter and instagram at chapel bell curve uh, also check out our new website chapelbellcurve.com it has all of our new content blog post episodes twitter feeds um, stat posts Please, please, please. I've been working so hard on them and like making my wife very upset by doing them. Someone go <laughs> on to my onto the website and read my game observations by play because I'm very proud of them. And it's really cool. I don't know that anyone I, I feel like I, I feel like there's anybody doing that specifically. Yeah, I, that's true. And also, I just feel like I'm, I'm painting the Sistine Chapel in like the dark here. Come on, somebody <laughs> just some, someone validate me. Anyway, um, It'll be a hub for all our new content, like I was saying. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Um, we would love to read your, read your your review, even if it's bad. And, you know, we can take criticism. So if you have a question or a concern or you just hate us and want to throw a stadium cup full of liquor at us, uh, <laughs> let us know virtually so that you can't actually do that physically. Anyway, we'll catch you in the Classic City next week and in Knoxville also. But until then, go, go dogs. dogs.